Hello, 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 and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Jake Atnip here with Sean Dwyer for yet another episode of Just Say in Sports. You know, we just did our little experiment with our midweek mayhem this week, so it hasn't been too long since you guys have heard from us. But there's plenty more for us to talk about in this week's episode and a lot to touch on. We have the NBA draft coming up. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in baseball. We're going to go back and touch on our preseason predictions for awards and just tell you how everybody's doing. Uh, We want to talk about NBA free agency a little bit, not just LeBron James, but, you know, plenty of other people. And we want to make sure that we bring some of these things full circle. So, you know, without further ado, Sean, you know, we're we're going to start off with the uh, NBA free agency. And I know we touched on this a little bit before, but don't you just think this is going to be a crazy year once everything starts to shake out? Yeah, I don't know really what's going to happen this year. You know, there's so many different ways, so many different players could go that are, and they're big name players. You know, just looking at the top of the list, you got LeBron James, who we've obviously touched on. And following him, you got Paul George, Kevin Durant, and good old Boogie Cousins. Those are, you know, probably the top four free agents that are out there for this summer. And I, well, and I, I those, can honestly. And I was going to say, and those are all basically going to garner max deals. Exactly, and I don't know where the uh, where Paul George or Boogie Cousins are going. I mean, I have a bit of a good idea with Paul George, but Boogie, I really have no clue. Well, yeah, it's gonna be. We're, you know, we're gonna go through this here. So I guess we'll get started off with the obvious one. Uh, we're not gonna touch too far on it because we did do this in our midweek mayhem. But you know, LeBron James. There's been more and more coming out uh, since our last podcast. He even said he won't go play in Houston. So we know that shakeup isn't gonna happen. But everybody's still freaking out about L.A. and this and that and the other. So, I mean, has anything changed your mind in the last couple of days? Um, no. Just thinking about it, I still think that Philadelphia is the leader in the clubhouse to me. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely starting to look like it. And I know, you know, I pulled out that New Orleans Pelicans. You know, nobody's talking about it. I doubt it'll ever happen. It's just something that I really liked. But, you know, I, as, as this process goes along and seeing – how everybody's kind of reacting to this and seeing the way, you know, people are breaking this down and how it would work for the Lakers or how it would work for Philadelphia or how it could work if you went to Boston or something, you know, and it just keeps on showing me more and more that it's going to be a task and a half to get LeBron James on a team. Not only because he's having max contracts, but when you sign him to that, you got to clear out four or five guys basically on almost any one of these teams you know, including somebody even as young as the L.A. Lakers, you know, they would probably have to send two of their young budding stars off and away in order just to try to make this work. So I guess it's really a question um, for LeBron and, you know, because the other teams are going to make it work. It just depends on where he wants to go. Yeah, and it's just going to be a matter of, you know, when you also sign LeBron, you know, you're also signing two other guys that are free agents just in terms of LeBron's going to want you know, some of his people there. And it's going to be in negotiations. He's done it when he went to Miami. He did it when he came back to Cleveland. He's going to bring one or two guys with him. And um, so you got to also consider that, you know, there's also going to be stipulations on LeBron joining your team. But anyone who wants to sign him, they're getting the best player of a generation. Yeah, of course. Now, we won't stay too long on LeBron. Um, you did mention another guy who – you know, kind of just had a little tryout in Oklahoma City. And everybody talked about this last year. Where was Paul George going to go? And then when he signed that year deal with Oklahoma City and, you know, kind of gave them that, that chance to make a run in a championship, now we're basically in the same boat is where is he going to go? And, you know, most people already know he's not going to stay in Oklahoma City. Yeah, it's – Paul George is one of those guys where even last year and before that when he was talking about leaving Indiana – I mean, the Lakers have always been the top of the list for him. And I think in his mind and in everyone's mind is he wants to go back to California. He wants to go back to the Lakers. Well, he's going to take the money. I think the Lakers have the money. They have but they need to clear some stuff up. They can do that. But they just got to make it happen. I mean, everyone keeps saying it, but it just still has to happen. And I will see. I don't know. I think that is much, much, much more likely than LeBron going out to L.A., um, it, it'd be like the same thing. He, they wouldn't have to accommodate for two or three guys coming in or sending Isaiah Thomas away or sending Lonzo Ball away. I think they could actually pull in Paul George into L.A. and actually just put him in that puzzle. And I think he would actually fit well if you put him at the three. You know, they, they, they have players who can play there. But if you, put, if you put Paul George at the three in L.A., I think that's a good match. Um, 
for the young guys and what, what Paul George's game is like, you know, and I think, you know, he's, he's a elite scorer in the NBA, but the, the Lakers aren't good at driving the basketball like Paul George is, you know, the Lakers, I'm pretty sure they're in the bottom of the league in efficiency when they're driving to the net and within three, five feet, like if you get somebody like Paul George out there and like I said, it'll probably be a max deal but it's not necessarily going to be a max deal because Paul George isn't on the same level as some of these other guys after the last couple of years. Yeah. And it's just, you know, to me, the Lakers are, you know, they're kind of splitting themselves so many different ways with guys that they want to get. And, um, you know, there's no way they're going to be able to get all these guys that they're connected to. So it's just a matter of watching this all shake out and see what happens. But I think Paul George right now, for me, as you said, He's on the top of the list, you know, of the, the three or four guys that have been rumored to the Lakers. I think he's the most solid to the yeah. Lakers. So, Yeah, and I think he's – I just definitely think he's the most likely because of, of the actual logistics that could go behind him. Now, another really big name, you know, if not the biggest name that's going to be a free agent is, you know, Kevin Durant. He took all those – all that flack technically, for yeah. – Well, technically, technically. Um, but – you know, he, he got all that flack for going out to Golden State. And, uh, you know, he's still got he's, – he's got to figure out what he wants to do here. You know, taking, taking a pay cut before and everything like that. And, you know, I don't personally see Kevin Durant going anywhere. I don't know why you ever would. Um, you know, it, it, winning championships left and right, finals, MVPs. You know, I guess you already took, you already took all the, the blunt force of going to the 73-9 and nine team that beat you in the um, – that beat you in the, the conference finals, whoop de doo You know, I'm still not a big proponent of that. I, I, don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. If you want to win, you're going to go where you can win. I don't care if you're the best player in the world. If the best player in the world wants to go play with the best team in the world, more power to him. And that's one of the things that I don't think – I do not think that Kevin Durant would leave the opportunity of possibly getting another three rings. Yeah, no, um, I wouldn't either. And it's one of those things here. I think it depends on who you talk to and their personal beliefs. But um, if I'm Kevin Durant, yeah, I'll take the couple million pay cut to stay in Golden State and win championships. I mean, how many people can say that they've won multiple championships in multiple years? Uh, not a lot of people. Not a lot of people have won back-to-backs. So he's already put himself into an elite group with winning back-to-back finals MVPs. Why, why not try and go for three in a row with – the team that gives you the best option to do that is the Golden State Warriors. And it's just. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. And the way that I look at it is like, you know, LeBron's been to eight straight finals, but he's lost, what, six of them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if if I were Kevin Durant, imagine you already got three rings or two rings, right? He's got two rings. Kevin Durant's already got two rings. You say you sign on with the Warriors for, say, another four years, you get another two rings. You already got more than LeBron. Yeah. Everybody can talk all the crap they want, how LeBron's the best player ever. If you ask me, that, that's LeBron's fault for keeping a crappy team around him at that point. If he, like, th- this now is LeBron's chance to go somewhere and do what Kevin Durant did and go to a winning team and win championships hand over fist. And, you know, that's, that's the difference is these two players, I think, have kind of realized that the only real way to succeed is with a team. And, and it, yeah. there's, no re- there's no reason for Kevin Durant to leave the best team in the NBA, even if it was for 6 or $7 million more. Yeah, to me, and then also going back, I'm just going to touch on it real quick, going back to when Durant made his decision to join the Warriors, everybody was ripping on him for taking the easy way out. But – isn't being a professional athlete about winning championships? That's what I always thought too. I, I, I have no idea why everybody gets so but everybody everybody wants to talk about, you know, he took the easy way out, but no one wants to look at the fact that he's taken pay cuts. All of them on Golden State really have, except Steph Curry. And they've gone out and they've made a team and they've all stuck together and had a team aspect. Isn't that what pro sports is about? Yeah, I think so too. And knowing what you can sticking together and winning championships. I don't know where all the hate comes from for guys that want to just stay in one spot and win championships. Isn't that, and I mean, that's the goal at the end of the day. Well, yeah. And it cracks me up. Cause like you said, they say that he take, he took the easy way out. 
what are you talking about? This man worked every day of his life until whatever. He was 29 years old, spent eight years in the NBA, not just treading water at, in Oklahoma City. In Seattle, you know, just treading water, not really being able to do much, winning scoring titles, but not being able to win anything. What, what champion, what greatest player in the world would want to sit and be relegated to nothing? Yeah, exactly. And I think this is a similar, well, just to throw out there real quick, a similar conversation we're going to have to have at some point with Mike Trout in baseball world. But being the best player ever and having done crap, yeah, not not winning playoff series, not winning, you know, not winning pennants. There's there's nothing not for even him making the playoffs. Yeah, most of the years. So, but yeah, but you know, we'll we'll move on from Kevin Durant. Uh, but definitely, I think there's no way that he leaves Golden State. And I, I honestly, I could see that team, you know, out out in Oakland, being a team for the next three or four years. I know everybody was talking. You know, Draymond's going to be coming up here soon. Everybody's been be coming around on their contracts, but. Like, like we said, if you really want to be a champion, I think it, the money doesn't matter at that point. You know, these people have already made hundreds of millions of dollars in their career. So, yeah. All righty. So we'll move on to our next big free agent. And this is somebody that a lot of people haven't been talking about. A lot of people have forgot about because he's been out with an injury the whole season. And, you know, that's really going to hurt his market. But, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, big old boog down there, Mr. Boogie, he, uh, was with New Orleans for the year, but he was basically on a Paul George type of deal coming for one year to going to try out and see how the twin towers worked and then see what goes on from there. But, you know, he tore his Achilles in December. He's out for the year. And there's even some questions as to if he'll be able to make it back for the start of next year. But, you know, he's been working as hard as he can doing this, but you know, even with his stock going down, Boogie is still going to be a very highly sought after free agent. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be sought after. Um, nobody really knows. You know, I haven't really been able to find links and anywhere. It's just it's odd to me that you have one of the best players in the NBA when he's healthy. And let's be honest, he is down low. He's one of the best players in the NBA. Oh, yeah. And there's been, like, no news of where he's going, what he could be doing. And so, you know, when you start just thinking about it all, by yourself, you know, a couple of names come to mind. You know, obviously, you know, the Lakers are linked to every single person that plays basketball at some point. <laughs> um, the Dallas Mavericks, I think, are a very intriguing fit. You know, they have the salary cap room. Um, the team that, you know, that I've been thinking about it back and forth that really makes a lot of sense to me is the Chicago Bulls. Um, they have the salary space. They have a young team. And they, form, I don't know. Well, and they don't have a big man that's good enough to stick around. Is it Miritich? Is that who their center is? Yeah, they have Miritich and uh, one of the Rookie of the Year nomination, nominees and Larry Markin. Of course. Now, you know, there's obviously a young core there, but, you know, nobody's really talking about where he's going. And that's one of the things that I sit back and I look is maybe, maybe he really did like it in New Orleans. You think about it, the way that he acted in Sacramento was completely different than the way he acted when he was in New Orleans. And when you saw Boogie and Anthony Davis play side by side, you got scared. That was a scary duo. Uh, that's definitely the best, you know, uh, backcourt or frontcourt in the entire NBA if you put those two together. So I think there's a chance that they could try to resign him, but I do think that Boogie's ego is a little bit bigger than most NBA players. Where I don't think Boogie's in that Kevin Durant, but where he's trying to go find a place to win. I think Boogie's trying to just go play some basketball, make his money, and get his stats. So I think it's really kind of up in the air on to where he goes, but I would like to see him stay in New Orleans because I think that power duo on the front court is just fun to watch. Now, there's a few other guys uh, who, who could be out and around, but we're not going to go too much deeper into the NBA free agency. You know, we touched on some of the bigger guys, and the biggest thing is, is once these big guys make their moves, that's when everybody else starts to fall into place. That's when people will be able to – sign those four or five million deals and fill in their teams with these other free agents. So, you know, Sean, is there anything else about these uh, free agents that you really want to bring up? You know, just one note that I'm going to throw out there is, you know, Julius Randle, Lakers player, um, probably won't be back in L.A. He's probably a guy who's going to be an interesting free agent to watch 
because, you know, with the Lakers being linked to LeBron James, Paul George, a lot of other people, you know, they're going to have to re- let somebody go. And with Julius Randle's contract being up, I think he might be the guy that instead of giving him $20 million a year, they're going to take that money and put it into a deal for Paul George or LeBron James. All right. Like we said, of course, there's going to be, have to be smaller move, move, pieces moved around in order to fit any type of these superstars in. So I guess we'll just have to see what happens, Sean. That's going to do it for our NBA free agency wrap, you know, wrap-up predictions, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're going to take a short break here, and we're going to come back and do our NBA mock draft. So we'll see you in just a moment. So, Sean, we're back, and, you know, we learned our lesson last time. You know, we did our NFL mock draft, and things got a little sticky. There's a lot of players out there. There's a lot of good, you know, teams, and it's always a crapshoot. So, you know, we were plenty wrong on our mock draft in the NFL, but we actually did do a pretty good job on some of the picks. So what we're going to do this time uh, to all of our listeners is Sean and I had sat down and did a little mock draft together before our podcast. And surprisingly enough, uh, we actually came across quite a few of the exact same picks and we're pretty pleased with the way that it shook out. So we decided to combine our mock draft into one big just saying sports mock draft. So what we'll do is we'll start off at the top. We're just going to give you our, our lottery picks one through 15 and we'll work our way down, tell, tell you guys where we think people are going to go and why, and uh, just give you a quick shootout about them. We're not going to take too long on this because, once again, we're probably going to be wrong, but it's always good to you know, kind of pick in place and really break down what a team needs in order to see what they need through the draft. So, Sean, you know, without further ado, uh, if you want to go ahead and – or actually, I'll take the number one for you – I think it's uh, pretty obvious everywhere that you've seen and every other mock I've looked at. And, you know, we talked about this on a podcast way back when, if it was going to be Aiton or Bagley at number one. And the further and further we go, I think I was right. And I think DeAndre Aiton is going to be the number one pick out to Phoenix. Yeah, I totally agree. Aiton looks like probably the best player in this draft through the college season. I think it's pretty obvious that he's going to be the number one pick. Yeah, and, you know, with all the experts saying it, it just makes me feel even better. But, you know, I, I, we talked about this months ago now, and I think it was a good choice then, and I think it's a good choice now. Yep, all right. With the second pick, I have Sacramento Kings going Marvin Bagley III, power forward from Duke. I think that, you know, his inside game is already at that NBA level, and, you know, he's been working on adding an outside game at Duke and showed a little bit of it at the combine kind of his workouts. I think that that'll – he did good enough for his workout with Sacramento to get that number two pick. Yeah, like I said, with what we did before, it was basically between on uh, DeAndre Ayton and Bagley to see who was going number one and number two. So I think it only makes sense to sl- slot him in at number two to Sacramento. Now, at number three, this is another one that a lot of people are starting to fret over. But, you know, Sean and I have both seen this guy play quite a bit. Um somebody who I think has crazy amount of potential and it's going to, I think uh, Jaron Jackson, um, our boy, the power forward from MSU, he's starting to really climb his way up the board. And I do think that Atlanta is a really good spot for him. They don't really have anybody of his skill set, And I think they could use uh, a bigger presence down low. Yeah. You know, they took, you know, John Collins power forward from, I think it was Wake Forest. Uh, or was it Vanderbilt? One of those two schools. I always get them confused. Last year in the first round. And pairing him with Jaron Jackson, you know, one of them playing center, one of them playing power forward. They could both shoot the ball too. So they would have two very athletic bigs to go along with a younger core that they can start building. They have like five picks in the first round and a half in the draft this year. So I think they're going to be able to be a much improved team next year through the draft, starting with Jaron Jackson. Of course. Now, who do you think is going at number four? Number four, I had the Memphis Grizzlies going Mo Bamba from Texas, and his record wingspan. Um, he's got a kind of a little bit of an outside game. He's been working on it. He's an elite defender in terms of shot blocking and shutting down the post with his length. You put him in that Mark Gasol school of big men, and I think in two years you're going to have a stud. 
I think, you know, Bamba will make a difference right off rip with his defense. He's going to be a Rudy Gobert type of player. And like you say, you might be having an outside game, but I don't think that the NBA is going to push him outside and make it. They're going to want him by the rim all the time. And that's one that's going to be his big strength is his defense around the rim and being able to finish efficiently when he has the ball. Now, at number five, out to the Dallas Mavericks, this is where everybody, you know, starts creeping uh, Luka Donick in. And, you know, he's a point guard, or he's just a guard out from Real Madrid. You know, he's that foreigner uh, that everybody's talking about. And I think that with the way that the whole Donovan Mitchell situation worked out and the way that everybody from last year, they didn't quite get a guard that was going to do everything they wanted to. And the way that, you know, he has looked in the film and the way that he looked at the combine and the hype that is surrounding Luca, I really think that he'd be a good fit down in Dallas. Yeah, matching him up with Dennis Smith Jr. in a back in a backcourt with Dennis Smith Jr. and Luka Donich, that would be pretty that's a pretty scary backcourt to me. You know, they can both shoot and pass. I think that would be amazing. Um awesome. moving, on, moving on to our the Orlando Magic. Uh we got Michael Porter Jr., the small forward from Mizzou. You know, he, about a year ago from now, you know, with this draft happening, everyone was already talking about him being the number one pick this year. And he went to Mizzou and got hurt, and he missed pretty much the whole season. You know, he played that one game in the tournament. Yeah, I think he played three. He appeared in three games total, I think it was. Yeah, and so, you know, we really don't have a lot of tape, college tape on, you know, Porter. And I think that's why you see him falling down to six in our mock draft is because there is nothing on him. You know, there's not a lot of solid tape or scouting reports on him right now. No one knows what they're going to get. And Orlando, to me, you know, they've just been stockpiling playmakers, you know, Jonathan Isaac, uh, Aaron Gordon. So I think they take Porter and just see what happens. Yeah, I think it's a big gamble. And, you know, we talked about this before. I, I'm, I'm never on the hype train a year out when they say, oh, he's going to be the number one pick a year away. That rarely happens. Oh, you know, yeah. that's like they were talking about Trey Young being in the top three because he was doing so well. And it's just you got you to gotta qualm those expectations. And it's really hard for me to put Porter this high. But with, you know, with, with how highly everybody speaks of him in his game, I think he has to be in the top ten. And honestly, I think Orlando is just a place where Porter would fit the best. And like, because like you said, They've been stockpiling playmakers, and I think he would be able to fit in because he is a more athletic type of small forward. He's not, you know, he, he's, got, he's got the jumps. He's got the moves. He can do what he needs to do. So if they can move him around the floor a little bit, I think he'll be a good job in Orlando. I agree. Now, for the Chicago Bulls, uh, this is obviously pushing down to number seven. I, I have them taking Kevin Knox, the, the small forward out of Kentucky. He's actually been climbing up a lot of boards recently. And, you know, those, the, the Kentucky forwards and the, the, the big men out of Kentucky, I think Knox is like 6'9 as a oh, small forward. I believe so. Yeah, I th- and he's a, he's, he's a big guy for being at that three position. And I think that he'll be able to assimilate into the NBA well, and that's why he'll stay in the top ten. Yeah, you know, he gets obviously compared to Kevin Durant with some comparisons just based off his size and his length and just the way he looks. I don't think his game is more of a Kevin Durant style. Kevin Knox doesn't have the outside game to me that Durant does, but, you know, Kevin Knox, obviously going to Chicago, he would be a day one impact player, which I think Chicago needs. I definitely agree. Now uh, what's going on at number eight, Sean? The Cleveland Cavaliers select Trey Young. And to me, this is a pick that they make trying to show LeBron James that they're invested in getting a younger team on the floor around him. You know, he, obviously most teams, you know, person who brings the ball up all the time is a point guard. You've got to start with the point guard. I think Trey Young, he's a scorer. You know, his school he's going to be in the NBA. He's going to be a scorer. So probably taking a little bit of the pressure off LeBron James if he comes back to Cleveland, trying to sell to him that, you know, we're getting younger here for putting people around you. Well, I, I, I also think that this pick is already made for Cleveland. You know, I think Cleveland sees themselves in that eight spot where Trey Young will most likely slip down to. And it's one of those things that even if LeBron doesn't come back, I think that's what they want to do is add somebody with an explosive score or even just somebody to bring a little bit of hype 
into Cleveland and with how, you know, how Trey Young has been talked about and what he did in the NCAA last, last year, you know, leading in points and assists and everything, you know, um, I think that that would really actually bring a lot of promise to a young lineup, regardless if LeBron's there or not. Now at number nine, uh, the New York Knicks, they slide in that they're that right inside the top 10 and the Knicks have kind of been in a downward spiral. Now they're kind of sitting right there at the bottom of the league, but they can't quite be at the bottom. But, you know, I think they're going to pick up uh, the, fir- the first one of the bridges that'll go is McCall Bridges, you know, the small forward from Villanova. From what he, you know, what you saw out of him in the tournament, you know, I only think that that raised his draft stock, you know, even higher. And with New York losing Mello last year and not really reloading enough, you know, Kristaps was out a lot of the year this year. If they can give a little bit of pressure relief using McCall Bridges, I think, I mean, they're, they're, I don't think they're going to get any better, but they'll have, they'll be on the right track to do it over the next couple of years. Yeah, his impact on the floor as the defender would, I think, will transition more to be his first trait in the NBA before his scoring comes along, which it'll come along just fine. But I think he'll start as a defender and he'll make a big impact on that side of the ball. Um, moving to Philly at number 10, you know, we got Miles Bridges, power forward, small forward, whatever he ends up playing for Michigan State. And I think this is just Philly adding guys that make plays. You know, Miles, is, we've watched a lot of Miles, you know, between you and me. And, you know, he's one of those guys where no one really knows exactly how he's going to fit into an NBA team, but you know he's going to at some point. Um if that makes any sense. <laughs> well, I, I, I definitely think that Philly's a good spot because it is such a young team. And when you look at the way that Philly can play, they really, they are missing somebody who can drive to the hoop and somebody who has that elevation around the basket. You know, they have the big guys and they have, you know, Ben Simmons isn't much of a, you know, power dunker. He's going to, He's going to put the ball on the rim, give you a good layup. He'll, he'll put it in. You know, Embiid is just going to stick around the rim and use his hook shots, you know, use his, you know, soft hands and get as close to the rim as possible. But having somebody to be able to stretch out and be with J.J. Redick and hit three-pointers, you know, Miles Bridges shot way too many three-pointers in, in the NCAA, according oh. to everybody. But Oh, yeah. But I, well, in, I'm one of those people. Well, yeah, but in the NBA – they're going to want him to do that. And if he can make those shots, I think he'll really make a difference with Philly. I agree. Um, I think – I, I don't think – I was just going to add this real quick. I don't think he'll be, you know, a day one impact guy. But within a year, he could work his way into the starting lineup or very, very well be a great sixth man for the first couple of years. I agree. So for the number 11 pick uh, for Charlotte, you know, they already have – you know, so a pretty pretty powerful guard up there, but I think they're going to add another person to the to the backcourt and pick Colin Sexton up, the point guard from Bama. Uh, this is another guy who's been just climbing recently, and you know I haven't seen a bunch of tape on him. You know, with Alabama being a football school and all, but I think that's where they need to go, and I think he's going to be. The, he is the highest-rated point guard that's left on the board, so I think that that's going to be their their best option. Yeah, I think you know Kemba Walker. I'm not really sure what the deal is with his contract, but I think it's going to be a, an issue for Charlotte soon. And if they really don't want to, you know, Charlotte hasn't made a ton of noise in the NBA, so they might be open just to letting Kemba Walker go. And if they do, they want to have some kind of insurance player. And I think Colin Sexton, you know, give him a year to get his feet together in the NBA, then they can either look at letting Kemba Walker go or trading him for some picks or something else. Um, of course. Mo- moving on, we have the Clippers, two picks in a row at 12 and 13. Um, they got one from Detroit. With their first pick, we got Wendell Carter from Duke, power forward. And this <laughs> is um, putting him with DeAndre Jordan if DeAndre Jordan stays in with the Clippers. I think that's a great combination down low that will help the Clippers. I think and then eventually I think DeAndre Jordan's out with the Clippers. I think it's just a matter of time. 
So Wendell Carter is going to be the big guy and with the Clippers, and I think he's more than capable of playing that spot. Well, I mean, I think I think um, DeAndre's on his way out anyways. You, we, they went through that whole thing where they had to lock him in a room so he wouldn't go to Dallas a couple years ago. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I, I have a good feeling that he's not going to be around too long. But I think that's a good pick. And, you know, with them picking up the, the next pick, you know, uh, well, that, that was the pick from the Pistons, I believe. Having the next pick as well, it really gives them a lot of flexibility in order to create to create a team that they want. And, you know, if they are going to go with Wendell Carter, if they're going to go with a big man at that first position, I think they're going to move back, get a guard, and uh, select Lonnie Walker, uh, the shooting guard from Miami. And that's just something, like I said, to kind of round out the team that, and get the best people at the front and backcourt that you can at your 12 and 13 pick. Yeah, with picks back-to-back, obviously, you know, they could obviously trade the pick and try and get something. But I think when you're really Clippers and you were kind of a fringe playoff team this year and you have two picks in the top 15 in the lottery, you try and make the most of those picks. So you take the two best players available who, in our opinion right now, are Wendell Carter and Lonnie Walker, and you try and get yourself over the top and try and fill the loss of Paul George or Chris Paul leaving and you do what you got to do to become competitive again. And having two picks in the top 15 is huge. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about the pieces that they picked up from Detroit, they, they aren't bad having, you know, Morris. and they're, they're, They will be able to have a talented squad. They won't be sitting at this 12 and 13 spot next year. They'll be back up in the 19s or 20s. So now, yeah, yep. for 14 at Denver, uh, who, who do we got, Sean? Right now we got Robert Williams, the power forward from Texas A&M. Uh, to me, this guy kind of fits in as a bench player for them. Kind of coming in off the bench, filling in behind uh, Jokic and Paul Millsap. He can play power forward. He can play center. He can be both. Um, he is a hell of a rebounder. He can rebound very, very well. And I think you know having a guy in that second unit that can rebound the ball very well is very important in the NBA. I think he gives that to Denver, something that they don't have this year. And then just to round out our lottery picks at number 15 is the Washington Washington guys with, um, you know, John Wall really taking the reins out there. They have to find somebody to give him some help. And, I, you know, putting somebody right next to him at the shooting guard position to learn from him and really grow – I think would be smart and somebody who I think would actually be able to learn a lot from Paul or I'm sorry, from uh, his game is Zare Smith from Texas tech, you know, with John, uh, John wall driving to the net. And I think that's what he's Smith is almost missing the hundred percent ability to, to get into the hole and get to the net. And I think if he's able to develop that part of the game, that'll be a dangerous backcourt uh, for the wizards. Yeah, Zaire Smith, you know, he's a drive-the-ball kind of guy. He shoots the three when he can. Putting him coming off the bench behind Bradley Beal for obviously just off the bat, coming in off the bench behind Bradley Beal, you know, give a little bit of change of pace. You know, Bradley Beal's going to be more of a shooter. Zaire Smith's going to be more of a driver. You know, keeping John Wall on the court, having two different shooting guards and have two different skill sets, it's going to open up a lot of area. Of course. Now, that's going to do it for our – NBA lottery mock draft, uh, as always, we would already like to apologize in advance for how wrong we will probably be. <laughs> um, but it's always fun to talk, like we say. And I really do think a lot of these guys will go where we say, you know, there's going to be a couple surprises, and I'm sure somebody will shoot up the board when we never expected them to. But we're not the NBA scouts, right? No, we are not. All righty. So we're going to take another short break here. And we'll be back with a little bit of talk from Major League Baseball. So welcome back. And to round out our show today, we're going to go back and talk a little bit about the Major League Baseball season. We've touched on it here and there, but not too much since we've been complaining about all the cancellations that happened to start the season. But, you know, Sean, now we're really are in full swing. I believe we're about 65 to 70 games through the season, uh, depending on, you know, who's where and and how many uh, games got canceled, you know, earlier in the year. But we want to go ahead and run back over some of our division races 
and really kind of give you a feel for who's in line for the awards. And I know we'll touch back on this once the all-star break comes around in a few weeks here, but you know, we, we want to make sure you stay updated because there's a lot to keep track of in the major leagues. Yeah. You know, we thought about doing this a couple weeks ago when we were at really like the quarter mark of the season, but you know, so much stuff came up with the NBA playoffs. And so we've kind of had to push it back, but just kind of the reset in the MLB going through it. Um, Right now, uh, the American League is just how we saw it shaping out. Um, Cleveland, New York, and Houston being in the one spots. The National League has been a little bit more fluid, and I think it's there's a lot of other more teams involved with the National League. Uh, we went with the Nationals, the Cubs, and Colorado to win the divisions East, Central, West. And um, none right. of them are in the lead right now. None of them. Nope. We'll just none of them are in the lead right now. Nope. So the. Uh, Three out of six, though, for being a little bit over the quarter mark of the season, not bad. But the National League has been, I think, in my opinion, the better league this year, been more competitive. Well, I definitely think it's close, but there are some teams who have surprised in the major league so far this year. And if we bounce back to the AL, just because, like we said, you know, the AL East right now, the Yankees are leading Boston by just a game. Uh, Tampa Bay's back way far. Toronto's back way far. So that doesn't, you know, surprise us whatsoever. We thought it was going to be the Yankees and the Red Sox battling it out all year. And right now they're only one game apart. So I think it's definitely shaping out in the East the way we thought. Now, if you move into the AL Central, you know, we went with Cleveland. You know, they've been all the way to the end of the postseason. Uh, Really too much recently for our comfort. But the real surprise in the AL Central is our Detroit Tigers. I mean, they're on a five-game win streak as we speak right now. But they're only two and a half games behind Cleveland just a couple weeks out of the All-Star break. So how surprised are you with the Tigers? I am very surprised. And with how good the Tigers are doing, you know, I know we talked earlier this month, we didn't expect them to be within 10 games at this point. And with them being this close, it kind of scares me into them abandoning the rebuild early. Um thinking that, you know, with this top number one draft pick that they have, we can move on into different things and move on to contending. And I just don't think the Tigers are ready to contend for a World Series. You know, they don't have the pitching, even with drafting Casey Mize. Their lineup is not World Series ready. So I just not even don't close. Ab- I don't hope they don't abandon the rebuild early. I, I don't think they will. And the big thing that you have to realize – that I think is one of the re- main reasons why Detroit is where they are right now is that the rest of the AL Central is just god awful. I mean, Minnesota, yeah. Minnesota's only a couple games back of Detroit, but if you look at the series between Minnesota and Detroit so far, that's why is because Minnesota has beaten Detroit, I believe, more times than they ha- than they've lost so far this year, and that's what's keeping them in that AL Central race. But you know, Chicago's twelve games back, Kansas City's fifteen games back. For the first quarter of the season, Chicago and Kansas City couldn't even combine to win 10 games. So I, I definitely think that the, the amount of bad teams in the Central is definitely keeping Detroit up on a pedestal. But as time goes on, we'll see them taper off and Cleveland really run away with the division. I now, 100%, 100% agree. Yeah, and, and with the AL West, of course, we had Houston. Uh, no surprise. They just went like 10-0 and on their last road trip. They're still killing the game. But – Another surprise in the AL. Seattle's only a half game behind them, and they don't even have their quote-unquote star player. Yeah, you know, Robinson Cano got hit with that PED suspension and has been out for uh, two or three weeks now. It's been longer than that, I think. But since that's happened, whenever it did happen, Seattle's been on a tear. I mean, I think I saw a stat the other day that said they have, like, 20, I think it's 22, 23 wins and one run games, which is outstanding, which is it's phenomenal. That's clutch. And that's, but that's also to me, that doesn't say um, consistency. Doesn't, that's not going to play out for an entire 162 game season. So oh, yeah. I don't, I don't see Seattle staying a half game behind Houston for all year. I think that the Angels are eventually going to overtake. Seattle for the number two spot in the West, even though it's not going to matter. Or, you know, what? one wild card might come out of the West this year. I know in the past it's been everyone's out of the wild cards are out of the East. I could see that uh, that second spot in the AL West being the second wild card spot. Definitely, I can see, I can see that race heating up um, 
after the All-Star break. Of course. Now, we'll just switch over to the NL real quick and just give you a little rundown. Like we said, Atlanta, just that young team, we've, we've already talked about them and how much they've impressed us over the, pa- <laughs> over the past couple months. And they've really impressed everybody. Uh, they're up two and a half games on Washington. Washington hasn't looked bad, uh, but they're just not winning all their games. So, I mean, are we really surprised that Atlanta is already where they are? Yes and no. To me, yes, I am a little surprised that they're where they are because I've, you know, going back to the beginning of the season podcast and the first farm system podcast that we did with Atlanta, I'm under, I've been of the belief that Atlanta has been next year is their year that they're going to start to contend, and they're proving me wrong, and they're a year early, a year ahead of schedule. I'm still not sold on Atlanta for a whole season and playoffs being a contender. I still think Washington is a better long-term team this year. Definitely. Now, you know, Washington will have to work their kinks out, but they're only two and a half games back, and I don't think that's a that's not even near insurmountable to get past. So down in the NL Central, we chose, you know, the Cubs to come out of there, and they're only a half game back of Milwaukee right now, so I'm not really worried about that at all. Um, you know, Milwaukee's done a really good job, but they're, I, like you said, that's another one of those teams that I do not see being able to sustain this level of success. No, Milwaukee, I don't think so either. Um, they've kind of caught lightning in a bottle as far as I'm concerned so far this year, but you never know. Um, stranger things have happened, but you don't get to 42 and 29 without being a good baseball team. So We'll see what happens the rest of the way out. I honestly think the Cubs and Cardinals will finish 1-2 in that division. But the Brewers, they have a pretty good lineup with uh, Kane, Yelich, Aguilar. It's been very good for them. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, You know, obviously Josh Hader has been all over the headlines and everything, been an outstanding reliever for them. So – you know, the Central Division and the National League could shape up to be very, very interesting between the Brewers, Cubs, and Cardinals. I think Pirates and Reds are out as far as – the. Uh, sorry. I think they're out as far as the division race goes. So we'll see what happens between those three. Of course. Now, the actual – you know, the tightest division in baseball right now is the NL West. You know, all, all of the teams in the division are within seven games of each other. You know, with uh, San Diego sitting all the way down at the bottom, they're six and a half games behind Arizona, who's leading. Uh, who's leading the uh, NL West, and that's kind of a surprise for us. We know we have they have made, they have playmakers, but you know, I chose the Dodgers at the beginning of the year, I believe, to win the division. I know you chose Colorado. Uh, you're really high on a lot of those guys, but you know, LA has just looked playing bad for big stretches of the season, and Colorado just can't seem to string things together. Is their issue? So, I mean, what, what about this division is really kind of tickled your fancy? It's just the fact that it's been all over the place. You know, the Diamondbacks got off to that great start, and then they were terrible. And now they've kind of leveled off into being an average team. The Dodgers started the year terrible. But since, I think it was May 1st, they have the best record in baseball. Um, San Francisco has surprised a lot of people with only being two games under 500 at this point and only being four and a half out of the division. Um, to me, Colorado has been very, very streaky. You know, they were very up for a while, then they've been down, and then they were up and they were down. Exactly. I still think, I still think Colorado wins this division um, based on the fact they're only five games out right now. We aren't even to the all-star break yet. They haven't had a full complement of players on the, you know, DJ LeMahieu was out for a bit. Nolan Arenado was suspended for some games that they dropped, and he's been a little bit banged up for a couple of games. I still think Colorado has their best baseball in front of them. Um, I think the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks are playing at their best right now, so I think Colorado will eventually take the division with uh, Dodgers finishing second, Diamondbacks third. I think the Giants will eventually fall off to fourth. And the Padres, you know, God help them, they're fighting a very, very big losing battle right now. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't quite buy that I think Colorado will be able to make it all the way back. I think they'll be able to squeeze into a wild card spot in the NL, and I think that'll be one of the only places that they can. It just depends on how these other divisions shake out. Now, you know, with that all being said, obviously there's been some really good performers that have, you know, come out so far this year. And I guess we can just start off 
with the NL MVP. You go with your guy. Same thing you said before. Who do you think deserves it at this point? Nolan Arenado. I don't know how many times I had to say it. I think he is the best player in the National League. And I don't even think that this is a conversation. Now, I know Freddie Freeman is having a historic year so far. And he might give Arenado some pressure. But I think once the whole season comes around, I think Arenado will have his numbers again. And he will be the MVP this year. Well, if you look at what he's on pace for, he's already batting over 300 about 70 games in the year. He's got 13 home runs, 41 RBIs. So he's on pace for a 300 batting average, 30 home runs, and 100 RBIs. And, again. Yeah, again. And that's, that's a good – that's a really good uh, stat line to have. And uh, I, I don't disagree with you. I do think, you know, Freeman's had a good year. But if, he, if Arenado can keep it up, I think the man deserves it. Now, for AL MVP, it's not as cut and dry. I know we made our picks earlier in the season. But, you know, Mike, Mike Trout is just going off the rails. Yeah, I know earlier in the year I picked Carlos Correa. Uh, I thought he was going to have a great year, which by no means is he's not having a great year. It's just you can't deny that Mike Trout is lined up for the AL MVP right now. Um, People are comparing the season that he's off to right now with the best season ever in baseball. And at this point right now, he's got 23 home runs, 46 RBIs, hitting 323. He has an OPS of... 1.136. 1.136. Uh, that's that's normally only a three-digit stat. Yeah, yeah, and he's over he's over a thousand. So he's off the charts right now, and you cannot. I'm not the biggest Mike Trout fan. I always have been. You know, we've always been two camps: the Mike Trout camp and the Bryce Harper Trump camp. I've always been more in the Harper, but you can't deny Mike Trout's great. I was going right to say. This guy's play right now is just you, fun to watch. It's, it, it, it's, it, it's way above and beyond anything that Bryce Harper's putting out in a Nationals uniform in the last three years. You can't – yeah, it's not even close. Mike Stroud's the best baseball player on the planet. Yeah, and like we talked about, you know, like you said, we'll have to talk about it. It's going to get started and get interesting to see how long he's willing to stay in L.A. Yeah, well, well it's going to be very interesting. <laughs> so, uh, going on to the pitching side of things, uh, NL Cy Young, I think, think this is a no-brainer once again he's leading the get he's still leading the league in strikeouts he has his whip is lower than hell um max scherzer is just just a monster man yeah max scherzer is once again this year dominated the national league it's it's not even close you know some of these guys you look at these things you don't even understand. It's just very, very odd how dominant some guys are. And Max Scherzer has been one of those guys to me. Well, yeah, and I think, I think it's one of those things that nowadays when teams know they're facing Max Scherzer, they're actually kind of scared. They're nervous. They know he's going to fan, fan 10, 10 guys a game. They know that he's not, his, his ERA is low. He's not allow, he, He's not letting you get the ball in play. It just doesn't happen. Um, the guy's the guy's just a monster. He plays like a man among boys in the major leagues, which is ridiculous to me. Now, yeah, he, uh, we're just gonna. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll move on though. Um, for the AL Cy Young, Sean, you know, we talked about Chris Sale at the beginning of the year, another strikeout monster. But there's somebody else that's really been uh, showing out this year, and who, who do you think it's gonna be? To me, it's going to be Luis Severino, uh, the Yankees pitcher. He's had a great, great start to the year. You know, looking at his numbers off the top of his head, is he's 10 and 2, 118 strikeouts, a 2.09 ERA with a whip under one. It's very, very good. You can't get very, you can't get much better than that. 10 and 2. And even with the, the two losses, one of the losses he had, he picked up this week, he only gave up two runs. There's no support. There's no support in that game. So, Luis Severino, to me, is the best pitcher in the American League right now. Awesome. So, we'll go just do a quick little touch here with the rookie of the year. You know, this is always really, really hard to call because, you know, you don't really see too much of the guys prior to the MLB season. But I know for the NL, you, know, you had Tro's 
Um, who who'd you, who'd you have for NL? I had Nick Senzel for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, he's had some health issues so far but with AAA right now with vertigo. He's actually gone to Arizona to see a specialist for this. Uh, he's missed a pretty good amount of time due to that. So I don't think he's going to end up being in the race for rookie of the year. But there's been a guy that's just kind of put himself ahead of everybody right now, and that's Ozzie Albies, the second baseman for the Braves. He's had a great start to the year. He's kind of leveled off a bit, but he's been amazing this year for the Braves. Of course. Now, I know we talked about Otani being the AL Rookie of the Year. And, you know, in the first two or three weeks of the season, it still looked like he would. I think he won his first few games. He was hitting home runs. Everybody was all hyped. But I think it was the same thing as we knew. It wasn't going to – it wasn't a freight train. It was, a, you know, a pop and stop type of deal where he's, he's going he's gonna to make his plays. He's going to have his days. But I don't think that he's going to be able to come in and dominate the whole year. So – who do you think is going to be the guy now? To me now, it's going to be Glaber Torres from the Yankees, the second baseman. He came up to the Yankees a little bit after the season started. You know, he took some time getting up. But he's been amazing for the Yankees so far. He's been a revelation at second base for them. You know, he came up as a shortstop. He's got shortstop skills playing second base. He's hit 290 so far in 47 games, which is obviously a plus for a rookie. Um, you look at that, he's been able to hit. So I think that, you know, he'll he'll end up being the uh, rookie of the year in the American League. To me, Otani um, put the injury issues aside. Ever since he came up, to me, he's been more sizzle than he has been of substance. You know, he doesn't pitch in a regular pitching rotation. Um, you know, all of his home runs that he hits gets coverage, but you don't ever really get to see anything else he does. So... I think he's just been more of a headline grabber than an actual player. And they, yeah, and that, that's one of the things I think L.A. wanted him for, too, was to add another part of star power. But he's done well enough. He's doing his job. He came over. He's, you know, when they have him in the game, he is producing. Like I said, it's not going to be a full season's worth of work, but he's definitely done what they brought him over here to do. I agree, yes. Now, that's going to do it for our show this week. We got – a lot of stuff in today, a little bit longer than we've been running our shows usually. But I, we hope you enjoyed it as always. So, you know, Sean, we always want to say thank you and tell you to subscribe. Yeah, like, share, whatever you feel like doing. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. But we'll be back here with another Midweek Mayhem in just a few days. And we'll see you guys then. So, as always, my name is Jake Atnip. I'm Sean DeWire. Thank you for listening to Just Saying Sports, and we'll see you again soon. Adios.